to Mutant or Minority. We are on for the second Ladies Only episode. Um, my name is Sonia Salinas, and I'm here with Kirby Caudell and Jennifer uh, Flores Parker. Say hi, ladies. Hey. Hello. So before we get started, I just think that we should talk about the elephant in the room. <laughs> I'm like, are we doing this tonight? Is this Correct. happening tonight? I thought the same thing. <laughs> like, it just we're gonna go really like weird. This. Felt really weird to just like let's go into talk about Lovecraft when you know we had it finally after it seemed like months long election night. <laughs> <laughs> we have uh, a president. This is a water. <laughs> <laughs> so let's just talk about it. I mean, it took. Forever, and while I was emotionally, not, I'm sorry, intellectually prepared, I understood that the votes were going to come in later for, you know, President-elect Biden and VP um, Harris because, you know, they asked people to mail it and COVID times and all, and so all of the people that were thinking about this were making plans. I voted early. Everybody I know voted early, but Tuesday night, girls, I was freaking out. <laughs> I did not like all that, you know, the leads were all red. I was having like, you know, deja vu over again from the 2016. I was definitely having, it was triggering, PTSD triggering, right? How, how did you guys very Infinity Wars. It was very <laughs> Infinity Wars. I'm like, this can't be happening again. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It, it, was, it was painful. Yeah. It still was today. Yes. To be honest, because I'm just yeah. like, okay, lawsuits, court cases, just stay out of my face. I don't want to hear about it. Let's right. just be happy in the moment. And it, I think you're completely. See, I, I, I was, go on, go on, Jennifer. Oh no, go ahead. I said I was, um, you know, I was trying to be relieved this morning. That was my thing. I was like, okay, they called it. Let me be relieved. But I kept the whole day, almost almost up to their speeches in the evening, the whole day. Um, I was thinking the other shoe was going to drop. Something was going to happen. And, you know, and I think it's a lot of the, you know, this, pre this uh, presidency, this administration has had so many scandals that would have tanked other people. And, you know, Teflon Don, it, he, nothing sticks and he survives all of this, right? So I kept, kept thinking that, how is he going to survive this? <laughs> how is he going to make yeah, or, Yes. Or who is he going to take down with him? on his way down you know he's just going to come out swinging and there will be bodies right. on the like it's ugh. yeah i'm still a little bit yeah. scared about the you know two and a half months till uh, till inauguration right but um Me too. yeah but i gotta say that as the day wore on um you know I, I found some joy i thought it was really uh inspiring i was you know glued to my twitter feed and to to the MSNBC people that, you know, were going to tell me reassuring things. And I was going to talk, talk about how wonderful this campaign was and, you know, learn all about uh, Stacey Abrams and she, what she was doing in Georgia. Um, yeah. And then talking to my daughters, you know, Una and Zio were, um, we celebrated this morning after breakfast by having vegan donuts. <laughs> so Siomano was like, I want to celebrate the president all the time. <laughs> <laughs> we get to leave the house? I woke up, I mean, like everyone else, I've been glued to my TV, but I will say that I, 
I'm sure all of us are in multiple group chats, but we had one in particular for our, my work. Um, and so like, we're, we're part of the community engagement center at Pitzer College, and uh, that's not a plug, um, but um, it, a plug. We, 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 we are committed to social, like this is what we do, and this is like the space. So like Daryl always reminds me like, nobody else exists in that space. These like safety rooms that you're in and you participate, like there's a whole world out there. And so anyways, in this group chat, I kept saying, don't discount, Detroit don't discount Philly and like in my head I'm like they're still counting votes like we're don't give up like but everyone in my we were just kind of in this like doom space and I'm like no no and then like on Thursday I was like remember I told you not to you know like then like the numbers started coming in and it was just like we could see it happening but the celebrations weren't there so this morning I woke up and I think they had called Arizona but I'm like okay we're still not there yet so it was at six o'clock this morning Mind you, I went to bed at like three. And so I'm like, okay, I'm gonna go take a nap. And then when I woke up because my phone was shaking and then I looked and I had 37 messages and like, um, so I'm like, oh my gosh, who died? You know, like, cause that's your initial reaction when you wake up from sleep and somebody's calling you. Um, and then like, I, I didn't even read any of them. I just ran out to the living room. So I'm like, and then I see Daryl just chilling on the couch, like, yeah, he won. <laughs> I'm just like, you didn't wake me up. You didn't tell, like, I've been watching like, you know, like this whole entire week and I missed it. Like I missed them announcing it. And like people, you know, I got to see people celebrating, but I missed that whole part of him. They're saying and calling it. And so I was a little bit sad just for my own selfishness. But like at the same time, seeing everyone in the streets was like so beautiful. And like, mind you, like Biden and Kamala have never been people that I've been like, all about um but they've grown on me uh, but like you said sonia being able to watch kamala speaking with aliyah and beans and then we were there with my mother-in-law and my sister-in-law and just like being surrounded by all that black girl magic to see that it was like humbling for me to like check my own you know biases that i have about our president-elect and kamala and like realized like we got a lot of work to do but big up to the black community because if it was not for them we'd be a, singing a whole different song right now so like they put in the work and we owe them big time yeah and the democratic party and the entire you know that it's like time it's time to make demands you know like ice cube was all about his plan let's make a real plan with a real administration who might actually be able to do something like that's it you you voted you proved it. and i mean biden did say that like he did make a special concession at you know to the african-american community so i was like all right keep that coming keep that momentum let's not stop you know don't get lazy come january so we just have to put pressure honestly like we have to ask for demands this is what the communities need i agree i think that we as you know constituents we pay attention every four years right like exactly four weeks for, before the election we're like oh who are you gonna vote for but we don't we're not engaged uh civically we don't keep up with what's going on um and i mean i think even when uh president obama won he rem i remember him saying in his speech and nobody did it he's like don't stop organizing don't stop protesting right you know, they, these are the things you still have to keep us accountable and make these demands. And I think everybody got a, 
you know, oh, Obama's in, in the White House, we're or a-okay, everything's... He plays basketball. <laughs> he looks nice in that outfit. Like, we get caught up in the, fan, like the fantasy of... Hey, hey. He does. That was a good, that was a nice thing. Don't discount that. <laughs> no, I agree, but, like, definitely, like, the... Yeah, I, I was no, there, yeah, too, lulls, fangirling. lulls us into this complacency. We're like, yes, this is going to, we're going to be great. We're post-racial. We're so liberated. But it, it, it became so much worse on the street level because people just started to brew up this hatred. Like, I just cannot, you know, and it just bubbled and bubbled and bubbled. And here we are. And so now we have to take that momentum back yeah. and actually work. Yeah, for so real, they like, called it the the black lash, right? Like they got so upset that there was a black man yes. in the Oval Office that we got Donald Trump. I'm just afraid of what say about this first generation uh, immigrant, you know, immigrant kid, black woman, South Asian, uh, Southeast Asian woman um, as VP. I mean, it's going to rile up a bunch of people. But I just think that today. I was trying to put aside all the things about, oh, he wasn't my first choice or whatever, you know, all the, all the work we have to do and just have a moment of joy and celebration for like this really big accomplishment for this, you know, woman and something that my daughter's yes. to and there's just so much to celebrate. Um, totally. Working, right? Like tomorrow, <laughs> tomorrow we make Joe Biden keep his promises. Um, yeah. We start protesting Joe tomorrow. Right. <laughs> Not protesting. We have to, we're going to be push, you know, get, I don't know how to even talk to a president, tweeting, writing, emailing, right. calling, you know, that's, the, that's all of our community groups. It has, that's it. Yeah. But if, he, if it wasn't for all the mess that we were in, uh, Kamala would have been headline for the past yeah. six months. That would have been the headline is this woman. And you know, so we need to celebrate that. And we can't forget that that is huge mm -hmm. for all of our girls. Huge. Yeah. Like my mom was just couldn't believe it, you know, because she didn't have like even my mom, as nutty as she is, hope she doesn't listen to this. Um, <laughs> she didn't. Shout she, out complains, to <laughs> she complains that there weren't the enough female role models growing up. She didn't know the possibilities. Yeah. She just didn't even know, you know, she just wouldn't have ever imagined this. And even for her, it was a, it was a victorious moment. I know. Yeah, that was my moment of, of, of watching my mother-in-law Darlene, cause she was staring at the screen and like, I was looking around and I was actually videoing Alima dancing, uh, but like, seeing the way she was looking at the TV and she was like, this is so beautiful. This is like a miracle. And like, I was so seeing it and hearing it through her. Um, yeah, it was definitely a moment where I was just like grateful. Yeah. So. Yeah. Woo, a lot of emotions. Right. It's been a week. And I, and I gotta say, I've, I've never been a big Twitter person, but this week it just gave me life. I, I was like, the memes. <laughs> yes. The memes and are you funny. have to follow the right. right. Yes. And when you follow the right accounts, you just feel so, oh, you're like, yes. It's like, this is how I feel. So you don't need to go to the dark side. You exactly. don't need to go to anywhere, any haters. Don't go anywhere conservative, Republican. Don't even go over there because it's evil and ugly and it hurts your body and soul. <laughs> but if you stay with the right accounts, you're just like, ah. Oh. Yes. It's, that's it feels, that's yeah. funny because we were watching Fox News 
<laughs> like almost you know all day what? yesterday. We were watching it, and Daryl's like, we need to know what these people are saying. And I'm like, all right. Do it. My anxiety is too high. My medication is not, <laughs> not hard enough, hardcore enough to handle that. <laughs> so what it, it was saying? rough. I was like, was it like basically just, everything that Trump is saying? It's yeah. you know, it's stolen election. It was rigged and mail-in ballots and dead people and you know, yeah. blah 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 and just everything that he's saying. Although I will say this, I will not give them credit because that'll never happen. But they were telling some some Republicans were on there saying like he's there's nothing there for him to contest. Like this is like his ego. He needs to concede. So like even like Rick Santorum was even like all right like this is he was trying to still stand by trump but like at the same time he was just like enough you know game over be decent and that was the whole thing it's like we're having to say out loud like the president should be decent right like really like that's like <laughs> that was the thing that got me like all day today it was they were saying like how decent joe biden has been and you know and i'm just like and that's where we're at. Exactly. It's not even an expectation anymore. It's just, yeah, so. I know. It, was, it seems like a low freaking bar, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was Melody. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, it was just exactly that. Like, you know, I had written about it today where it's like, you know, we grow up with this whole notion, like anybody can be a president, like, to, like it's a magical thing, but it's like, no, anybody can be president. <laughs> you know, and so it's it's like a whole different, you know, context of like what that actually means. And like it's it's potential, it's dangerous, you know, that someone like him and he ain't going away. Seventy million people in this world are right on board with him and um oh Daryl. Um there's a whole bunch of people that are gonna come out and you know, I was texting with uh Miko, whom you know, and we haven't met her, but one of my dearest friends, and we're like talking about 2024. <laughs> I'm just like, oh my gosh, we're like, the PTSD is real. Like we're already like in these moments of like, what is that going to look like? And what's that going to feel like? But yeah, it's, um, yeah. But right now I'm going to be happy. I'm going to look at all of our beautiful daughters, like Kirby said, you know, girls, women everywhere who have just dealt with you know, the toxicity of being a female in male dominated spaces and like just celebrate that right now. So, right. And her white suit, the white suit was <laughs> white pretty suit fire. It was. She was repping the HBCUs. Yes. Yeah. Yes. That was, that, that was really beautiful. Yeah, she came out to Mary J. Blige, ladies. <laughs> I, I heard that. I was, I was hoping she was going to start dancing. I was like, do the Mary J. Like, get down on that knee. Maybe for the actual inauguration. Right? Maybe. Yeah. We'll be hopeful. Yeah. So, yeah, well, let's not focus on that because I've been trying to move past the the four years because that was the biggest um, disappointment last time around, right? The, that like half the country thought that he was a-okay, that he was a completely suitable leader for our country. And I took that as a personal re rejection <laughs> by like half the country. Um, and that didn't change much this time around. We just got the right, you know, disbursement of votes, right? Like the, the percentages are basically the same because um, Hillary won the popular vote last time, right? So like the percentages 
it, it didn't change much. Um, but I'm not going to focus on that today. We'll focus on that tomorrow. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so yay, VP Harris, President-elect uh, Biden. All right. Give it to Dr. Jill, though. We yeah. got to give Dr. As, as an educator, as you know. Yeah. Like, don't get me started on Betsy DeVos. I would love to cage fight her if given the opportunity. Um, <laughs> that's not the wine talking. That's just how I feel. But Dr. Jill Biden, I've been a fan of hers since she was madam vice president like like she's just dope like her like teaching and continuing to teach and like just her her story like i think about that as a mother as a spouse and like what that must have looked like for her to just be that person in joe's life having after having lost a daughter and a wife and you know taking a like just just that it's just like that is always what's kept me in that corner because of her. Like I've always liked her and her story. And so anyway, I didn't know like, that I'm excited she continued for her. to work. I didn't know she continued to work as a community uh, college professor throughout his terms as vice president. That's that's amazing, right? Amazing. Like, she said that one of her students, none of her students knew, and they're like, "Hey, you know, Doctor Doctor Biden, why are you standing next to Michelle Obama in this picture?" And she's like, "Uh, <laughs> my husband's <laughs> vice president." <laughs> <laughs> that's that's a good story yeah but yeah as a teacher or a former teacher i am just like please get somebody who has some experience in education to make decisions for my former workmates and my child like please and all these children that i've known all these years like please could you just have their interest in mind it would be so lovely right if somebody who that's their entire job is to help them right just know about know who they are there. prioritize so, yeah. private schools yes yeah. exactly don't take all the money give it to charter schools and and what was her big devos's big charity event was her um she gave her housekeeper's daughter a job right and she thought maybe she would get like an internship you know something great and she's like oh well you can help your mom your mom clean the house and i'm like you know what I'm a, I would seriously fight that woman if I saw her in person. <laughs> Me and you, tag team. For Take sure. Her. Take her down. Yeah. I mean, just kidding, I, FBI. <laughs> no, FBI. Yeah. I'm not kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I used to think that the, the, you know, the, you know, the three branches, the checks and the checks and balances, that all that was, you know, supposed to be what keeps us safe and that, whoever's president doesn't make a huge difference, you know, because you still have the Senate and the Congress and the Supreme Court. But this administration has proven that all of those executive uh, appointments, you know, Stephen Miller, you know, Jared Kushner, all these people that are working uh, in the White House and, in, and leading departments, uh, the Azar guy, you know what I mean? Like, I feel, have you ever been to a Seder? Yes. Well, when you say the ill, the boils, you know, all the, 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 what not, the well, locust, the boil, you're just like, you yeah. take the wine, you spill and you go, ugh. you're just like, ugh, like all the plagues. That's what I feel like we should be doing. When you mention all those names, <laughs> I want to be like, you're like this, ugh. I want to take the thing away. I just smell like that's ew. It's just like those plagues. Like it just makes me, my blood crawl, but you're totally right. And the, yeah. all these appointments change the shape of our country for four years. Right. I mean, yeah. now maybe people won't be afraid to, because I think that, you know, all those executive orders that he gave around, you know, talking about diversity and inclusion, 
like, no, those are bad words in this administration. You couldn't even say climate change, for God's sake. You know, we're like, oh, okay. I know. I, I'm, I'm on a tangent. <laughs> but I am relieved beyond measure. I didn't realize how relieved I was going to be. And I didn't realize how long this week was going to be and try, you know, trying to be, trying to have reason govern as opposed to my anxiety and, you know, constantly refreshing my Twitter feed and MSNBC to see if there's anything different. <laughs> um, but it was a good day. Lots of celebrations. It was beautiful to see um, all the celebrations. Um, although I did, I did hear uh, somebody compare it to like, people don't usually you know, party in the street when you reelect a, a president, you do that when you get rid of a dictator, right? Like, and that's definitely what it was the vibe, right? It's definitely the vibe. Okay, so are we ready <laughs> to talk about Lovecraft? Have we gotten to Woo! it? <laughs> I'll, I'll, yes. <laughs> Lovecraft, based on Lovecraft Country. Um, the show, it's a show on HBO Lovecraft based on Lovecraft Country by Matt Ruff. It was um, the showrunner, I think, was a woman named Misha. I want to say Misha Green. I could be getting that wrong. Uh, but she was an African-American woman that was part of the writing team, the producing team. And I didn't really, I didn't know when I was watching the show that the novel on which the show was based was written by a white man, Matt Ruff. But I guess it, he was... Um, He's been writing these kind of stories for his whole career. Uh, so first, I guess the the big question was, you know, I, this is not my genre. Like horror is not my genre. Like, um, but one of the things I we were talking about when we were watching this, we meaning Jared and I, was is this what's scarier, the racism oh. or the gore? <laughs> racism by far. <laughs> No contest on that one. Yeah. Really? It was, it, you felt it, it was palpable. And that the helplessness against those cops and the, the guy in the restaurant at each scene, I was just like blood curdling. Right. The monsters, I'll take it or leave it. Whatever. It's goofy, you know, special effects. But those, whew, whew, yeah. Hands down, the racism, scariest. Yeah. <laughs> yeah and I feel like, just the proximity I've had to my own husband and witnessing things that he has dealt with and knowing that had I not been next to him, that things could have gone a different way. Like that was, it was really hard to watch like so many of the episodes. And I was raised on gore and blood and macabre. So like I totally, I was like, Ooh, special effects, except for the twins, the two, the episode with the two little girls, like we won't talk about that, but like all that, like only because the racism in it was real. That was based off of like people, people's experiences. Um, and then also, um, yeah, it's still happening. It's still happening. Like nothing has changed, really. And you could have changed the the decor of that show to to modern times, and every one of those stories would have still been absolutely accurate. You know, like it it, it was shameful. In fact, Jeff, my husband, as you know, is a white guy, and he was um, really uncomfortable. He was just like, "I can't take this. This is so horrific." I'm like, "Well, let's sit with it." <laughs> you know, I mean, that's what white people have to do. You know, we have to sit with that 
it hurts. It hurts to watch, but it doesn't hurt. Like you're saying, Janessa, like Jeff has never experienced anything like that personally. And so for white people to kind of watch this and feel that uncomfortableness is what people need to do so we can start these conversations. Right. So, I mean, I guess I should give a little bit of context. What, what do you think this is based in what, like the 50s, 60s? No, 50s. Right? I think it was the 50s. <laughs> yeah. Um, and the story centered around uh, a black family uh, in, involved in like these like macabre uh, lore of witchcraft and sorcery and lots of gore um, in the stories. So just to give a little bit, you know, because I think when I do these things, when I sit in on Jared's podcast, I always um, just have a conversation with my friends. And that's fun for me, but people listening don't necessarily understand what's going You're on. You're wrong. You're wrong. <laughs> this is what happened. Right. Octavia Butler. Yeah. <laughs> Respect to I, Octavia Butler, though. I know. I, shout out to her. I do like her books, actually. Although they also made me uncomfortable. The same same kind of uh, discomfort, right? Um, yeah. So, yeah, I think... I agree with both of you that the, the racism was really realistic and portrayed really uh, poignantly. Like it was, there was no way you could look at a situation and not feel it, even if, you know, as if it was happening, you yeah. know, feeling the helplessness of it all. Um, and I don't like gore, I guess, like in general. So like that was really uncomfortable for me as well. <laughs> like all the blood and guts and the different, um, I don't know. And also, I was raised Catholic, so I always think that things having to do with the devil can ha actually happen, right? <laughs> oh, that's real. I, I was just going to say that. I'm like, I'm not religious at all, but having grown up Catholic when, like, the certain scenes were happening, I was like, I Dios mio, like, no, like, they can't be doing this. And, like, I was, like, in the corner praying, you know, and I'm just like, this is scary. And then same thing, I thought of my nana, may she rest in peace, and, like, she would not have been down um, with anything of the Satan <laughs> or witchcraft or any of that. So I definitely had those moments of just like, well, but also because like, same thing, that, that happens. Right. What was happening on TV? Like, I'm not part of those communities, but like that happens too. So it was definitely um, these moments of just like, you know, I'm not going to lie. Those moments did get me. The monsters and stuff, not so much. I was like, you know they were monsters because I, I mean, cause I love stranger things and like a lot of the monsters were similar to me or the monster I should say. Mm -hmm. But yeah, when they were doing more of like the witchcraft type things, I was like one eye open. <laughs> <laughs> but you know that at that, with the baptism, I thought that was deep because, and like they were clearly of Christian faith. You know, he got back, Tick got baptized, you know, that whole scene. I, I thought that was actually, really interesting especially if you look at the roots of the black church in america you know because when african people came they had their whole set of religious beliefs rituals um gods you know this whole set of of spirituality but then they came here and had to adapt to christian values you know in, in many ways to for survival but mm -hmm. i just found that to be deep because it was like the occult the devil black magic you know juju like whatever you want to call it but then there was also like some christian philosophies in there as well and the ancestors helping each other i thought that was beautiful when mm -hmm. all the ancestors came together at the end to 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 help oh 
I was like, that's deep. That's real. Like that right. was to me, I like the, the mix. Cause some people, you can have both. Right. That episode, that was the last scary. episode where like, you know, it kind of, that I agree. And the last episode, um, basically the metaphor of like standing on your ancestors shoulders and having them support you is something that we, you know, try to teach our daughters all the time. Like, look, you're here because my mom did this and I got to do more. And now you have all these possibilities, right? So the portrayal of that, you know, the symbolic portrayal of that was really yeah. beautiful. Um, and, so, the, and the passing it down also was beautiful. And I mean, because that, that's what the Jew, you know, what the Jewish faith is when you were told not to do it and you were being chased out of your home by soldiers or whatnot, you had this little bit of your faith that you could just in a secret way share and you could say your prayers and you could have your Hebrew games. You can light your candles. Like it was a way, and that's been thousands of years. And I do the same thing with my daughter. I'm just like, this is, this is deep. Like this is the small, we're in modern society, but we've passed this down for centuries and it's beautiful. So which one, which was your favorite episode, Janessa? Hmm. I really liked the Jackie Robinson one. Um, I, I'm, I'm, I was actually just like trying to like replay it all in my head. Mm -hmm. Mind you, I, I, I'm a huge Jackie Robinson fan, but just like, it was almost like, I guess it was that, but then the, when Tick uh, realized like he was Jackie Robinson and he mm -hmm. was the one who came back and he was the one who was protecting like that whole, like we were just saying like the ancestors that, are protecting us when we're not even realizing, you know, you know, that these things are happening. But I think that moment was something. And also too, the fact that like Jackie Robinson beat some ass, you know, like that to me was like, get him, you know? So like that, that within me and mind you, like COVID has already put us in a mental space that none of us were prepared for. But then also with the uprisings happening, like this is so like right on time, the show for yeah. people who cared have a conscious, are paying attention. And like Kirby was saying, like for white people to sit in their whiteness and like realize yes. like this is happening. So like that part in the show, I was like, I wanted to go run a mile. I was like fired up, you know, because just that moment of, you know, he kept saying he had this dream and he had this vision of this person, but like it was actually him. So I can't remember exactly what episode that was, but that was one of my favorite scenes that I've that um, comes comes to mind right away. Yeah, that was great. That was a Harry Potter moment too, though. Because mean? it was like, yeah. okay, it was like, was it you? Was it your Patronus? You know, like the whole, <laughs> when he comes back and it actually was him and he had this, but um, I mean, I'm not, we're not talking about Harry Potter. She's canceled <laughs> right now. episode nine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it kind of, um, that episode was really, I was, uh, I really liked that episode as well. Uh, and I realized in that episode that that would have been the second reference to the Tulsa massacres, because that's when we, he went back to the Tulsa massacres yep. to save his yep. family, basically. And he didn't realize he was the one that was going to save them, but he did. Um, so he saved uh, his father and his uncle and his mom from being beaten mm -hmm. by a mob during the Tulsa massacres. Um, but that was the second time in recent history that uh, it's come up in pop culture. The first time was earlier or this year or last year um, in The Watchmen. The Watchmen, yep. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yep. right. So, yep. And I think that for most of the country, this is probably 
the first time they've ever heard of the Tulsa massacre because I don't that's not necessarily taught in or at least it wasn't taught in schools. You have a a teenager Kirvitas getting a better history education, right? It's not bad, actually. I'm not going to lie. It is not bad because I've yeah. been helping her study a push, and it's not. It's pretty on target. We, it's yeah. it's where we just got to the Civil War because uh -huh. you know where she's learning. She we're distance learning, so I have to explain everything to her after she reads it. Right. So I, I've had to redo the entire a push um, class again, mm -hmm. um, and it's actually does discuss the women involved it discusses the native uh americans involved specifics not just like we came and did some stuff to some tribes it's like specific tribes specific leaders specific you know it's and it's it's not too bad it's a pretty balanced it's it's not as good as it could be because but it's way better than it was for me in 1989 you know it's definitely trying to be a more balanced picture but we just got to the Civil War, and the, her book ends at uh, Barack Obama. Okay, perfect. So that's, that's, that's all. Fine with me. <laughs> <laughs> but no, but yeah, but it does talk about a lot of like um, the atrocities done to African American people in this country, very graphically. So that I'm happy, and my daughter already knew because I'm her mom. So she already knew most of this stuff. So she's like, "Oh God, Mom, yeah, 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 yeah." Because I always yeah. help her study and then pontificate a lot about it <laughs> right she's like yes i'm like this I mean, is just like i wonder if that's has you know we're in california deep blue right uh i just I, w I wonder if that's the case in other parts of the country because i mean i think texas i can guarantee you oh no 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 i can guarantee you this is rare Okay. because we're in LA not even only are we in California we're in Los Angeles County so mm -hmm. our schools are very liberal but I can guarantee you that is not the case across America or across our state right yeah but that's what it made me think of that particular episode that you liked uh, Danessa made me think of how we're getting uh, a lot of the countries getting some education on American history from our pop <laughs> from our uh, popular uh, cultural shows uh, Kirby, what was one, which one was your favorite? Uh, let me think. Um, I didn't really have a favorite. They were all so difficult to get through. They were, it, it, but let me just think. To me, overall, um, I wanted to see the love story. I wanted to see them conquer. But I think probably the one that got me the most emotionally was the one about um, his dad. Um, at that club, you know, just coming out and being himself. And when he was going through that club and the glitter was on his face and, and, you know, his lover was there and there was this glorious group of people exploring their sexuality, you know, just celebrating their, whoever they wanted to be. And he just was able to be himself. I just broke into tears. It was so beautiful. That was, that was really touching to me that they would include that subplot. Cause you don't have to. You know, you could just have the race and horror and feminism and all these things that you had, but they added that to the mix, and I thought that was absolutely beautiful. That was one of my more, uh, that was one of my, uh, the most interesting to me storylines, the dad, you know, because yeah. they had such a, the dad and Tick, the main character, had such a complicated relationship, right? They, yep. All that history about, you know, uh, physical discipline. I mean, he was beating him when he was younger and the reasons behind 
um, right. how upset he was, how angry he was, how much the father was trying to make Atticus or a tick, you know, a manly man, you know, through, through his behavior. It was so explained and it was, you know, very human and vulnerable. And I, you know, it was one of my more favorite um, subplots. Yeah. And I, at that, I want to shout out to Jonathan Majors. I mean, he's probably one of my favorite actors right now. Him and um, The Last Black Man in San Francisco, I can't watch that movie without crying. I mean, he, when I saw him in that film, it's the first time I'd ever seen him. Mm-hmm. And he's like on his way to Academy Awards. He's just a phenomenal actor. Right. Yeah, he was one of my favorites. And I, and I didn't, and I watched The Last Black Man in San Francisco because... I watched Lovecraft. I hadn't seen it yet. Really? Yeah. Oh so I went God. back. And I saw it three times in the theater. <laughs> <laughs> so um, my favorite was uh, episode seven. It was I am. It was the uh, Hippolytus uh, episode where she goes through uh, all these dimensions and worlds, and you know, basically names herself. Like she kept saying, "I'm going to name myself," and she spends 200 years doing what she's going to do. And then she decides to go back to her to be a mom, right? Like it's just, uh, it was really beautifully written. I thought like going through the different worlds, like spending that time in France, you know, like with, with, uh, God, I forget her name now. Josephine Baker. Josephine Baker. She was a backup dancer doing all that stuff. That was, you know, it was just a phenomenal idea that I would never have, thought of telling that story in that way, right? Like a, a story of self-discovery and self-reflection uh, through time travel <laughs> and, you know, uh, exploring different parts of history. Uh, so she was, that was one of my favorites. I, and, and she got to kick ass when she went back to- Yes, <laughs> she gained all that power and all those right? <laughs> otherworldly skills that nobody here has. That was dope. Yeah, so. What else do you guys want to talk about? <laughs> Those are my questions. <laughs> well, you know what? Okay, well, I actually have something to talk about because okay. when Jared asked me to do this, I thought, oh, crap, i got to start thinking about this. Mm-hmm. And I thought, you know what, to me, was so wild is that, and again, I hope white people watch this because the, what's that white devil's name? The, um, I'll look up at his note. The, the, um, the girl, you know, Christina. Yes. She, to me, represents so many white women and white women's struggles because mm-hmm. here she was oppressed by this patriarchy. She couldn't get ahead. It was like, you know, the, the story of the girl who wasn't allowed in her religion, even though it was, mm-hmm. you know, the occult. She couldn't get her status because she wasn't a male. Mm-hmm. So that's an archaic idea in an archaic society, like in, you know, Orthodox Judaism, a lot of, you know, even, you know, very Orthodox religions to this day don't allow women power. Right. So that's something she deserved to fight for. But mm-hmm. why she got to do it, draining the blood of <laughs> our hero? Is right. that necessary? And that to me was like, okay, that's a deep message right there. Like, right. why couldn't you just work together with your his ancestry and your need and then you know created this new world because she loved I felt I mean I don't know about you guys but I felt like she kind of loved um Ruby there was a a kind of a love relationship there a little bit Mm -hmm. or was it just did she just fetishize her 
I have major issues with the Ruby. That I, love, I love Ruby's character, but like the thing that bothered me at the end of the day was like, they still, she was a powerful, like when you first saw her, she was this beautiful on stage singing and she was this vibrant character. And like over the course of the show, you know, and she meets Christina and then falls underneath her spell that like the whole notion of her wanting to be a white woman and the sacrifices that she was making and like that was gonna like be what her satisfaction was. Like I was like so disturbed by that. And also yeah. I don't, I hated that Christina was changing into that dude. That dude? And then they were like having a relationship because to me, like I hate the part in Revenge of the Nerds when the nerd is wearing the Darth Vader mask and he like tricks the girl into sleeping with him. And to me, I was having those same feelings all over again. Mm -hmm. Terrible analogy, but like that's like no, where, but I I, was, yeah. where I was like, she's a character thinking that she's, you know, having feelings or because Ruby, I don't think, I mean, she may or may not have had a, you know, feelings for Christina, but like in her head, it was the white dude, exactly. you know, you know, like she was having a relationship with him. And like, for me, I was just super disturbed by that. And also like, just like, once again, we have this show that's amazing and incredible, but they're like taking away power and a spotlight from this dope black woman character and like diminishing that because like she wants to be white. She wants to work at Macy's and she wants to sell perfume. And then she's mean as hell to the other black girl that works there. And it's like, I didn't, I, I for me, I was like bothered and maybe that's just me um, watching that scene. Um, but yeah, I- um, It was- I, it was complicated. It was problematic. I had a really hard time figuring out what the point was. Like, where nice. is she going with this? And at the end, she didn't even win. She got tricked at the end, too. I was like, dang it. Like, I thought spoiler she was alert. victorious. <laughs> Oops. Well, it's you know spoilers. what? It's all spoilers. It's all spoilers. <laughs> but I was just like, what? What? Well, you know, I really, I wanted her to, be, I wanted her to, to break free and realize the damage that she was doing by, it was just, it, that to me, that whole subplot, it just, it was so problematic. And the white woman just, just, you know, proved to be an evil white woman, like 55% of, <laughs> of white women in our country are right now. I just, it was, I didn't like it. And then, you know, it just brought me to, cause I'm studying American history with my daughter. The abolitionist movement was a lot of, women found some power in that because they were like, hey, we're basically indentured servants. You know, we don't have a lot of freedom. We're just, you know, we're succumbing to our husbands. We have to do, just make them happy. Um, and they were like, but wait a minute, we need to fight for this. The slavery is an abomination. So, mm -hmm. so women felt they could have a voice in that. But mm -hmm. then there happened to be this thing because then women wanted to fight for their own dang rights. But they were like, so it, again, it's just like what's been happening now. We keep splintering people's power it's like if we could all bound together and get power against these white patriarchs who came to take it from everybody mm -hmm. but we get splinter we're against each other white women black women. we had it's just where's the intersectionality right. where are we gonna all join together and fight the actual true white devil mm -hmm. these men and i mean it's just it was it was ugh. that that subplot with christina well that part of the plot with Christina, this white woman trying, you know, I, I do think that they were trying to say something. I just don't know what it is that they were, you know, getting at. Like, I mean, it was very obvious that, 
you know, like the people that have benefited in this country, let's say from like affirmative action or from the advances that we've had as a society are white women, right? And, yeah. Uh, and the fact that a lot of the time, it's like the people that get here uh, first off the boat. They say, "Okay, no more, no more, no more immigrants. I'm here. <laughs> you guys get out of my country, right?" Like that's what I feel about some white women that you know they've gotten to where they are, so they don't want to share the spotlight. They don't want to share the pie with other women, yep. women or people of color. But it's really hard to portray that on screen. I think they did as good a job as they could, right? Like they, it was very literal. They. He, she literally was going to kill black people so she could get what she wanted. <laughs> so, exactly. <laughs> she literally bled him dry. She ripped open his arms, spoiler alert, mm-hmm. on the cross, basically. I mean, he was up there tied up. It was so horrific. And then sucked. It's just like, so is that what they're, is that, is it, that's what they're doing to the black community? Is that what they're doing to people of color's livelihood? Is that what they're doing, you know, to get ahead mm-hmm. and to get what they want? That's how I saw it. Because you know me, I don't trust a lot of white women. Your point about, you know, the 55% of white women that voted basically, what I think is against their interest by continuing to vote uh, for for Trump and his his policies is like, it's good enough to be white adjacent. You know, they're they're white. So like they get to be, they get the privilege and the power that comes from that, even though they don't get all the the, the privilege and the power of being male. Right. Yeah. In fact, yes. And you know what, you guys, do you remember the scene where when she was first um, woke up as a white woman and she didn't know where she was and she was all discombobulated and she's running through the streets in that robe and she was ready for them to beat her ass. Mm -hmm. And but then they were all, oh, what what's what happened, miss? How you must be lost. (laughs) And then they all they grabbed those black boys that with the popcorn or whatever that who were trying to help her. And I was just like give me the like I was I needed smelling salts because it was so upsetting to watch but but she didn't even understand what was happening and she goes oh this is what it's like to be a white woman right I can cry and look all weird and they're gonna help me it was that was deep to me I was like well that's the Karen (laughs) Karen is the real boogeyman yes She was the one that made everything scary. But I get what you were saying as well, Janessa, the whole, like, uh, the, the, icky, the basically the lack of consent, right? Like, she's having sex with this guy who she thinks is a guy and yes. hiding his uh, identity. Well, she, because it was Christina pretending to be a man, is hiding her identity and having sex with her. You know, it's all very rape culture <laughs> very yeah. very much yeah. so yeah and once again it just so. takes it back to like how many black men, women were being raped by white men and you know and yeah it, yeah i'm just gonna stop <laughs> <laughs> no but they they touched on every that's why this show was was hard to watch in more ways than just the horror mm-hmm. because it was those human horrors these horrible things these people were doing that was so upsetting and problematic. But yeah, I was just like, what? Like, no. And I kept wanting to Ruby to leave. I was like, just leave. Help I almost sister. thought she was. Yeah. I was like, they're going to make friends again. 
I thought so too. You're all going to do magic together and you're going to beat Whitey. You're going to bring back Tick. You're going to save him. That's what I thought they were going to do. Sorry, another spoiler alert. (laughs) It's a lot to decompress um, as a woman of color, but recognizing that I am not a black person, black woman. Um, But I've been listening to, you know, podcasts and just like other reading articles and stuff and just like realizing like, not realizing, I already know this, but like, because we're watching a show, there's still people that are going to be like, oh, this is fantasy. This is like, you know, it's something to watch right now because we're in a pandemic. But like the fact that this is all based off of like historical events and all, you know, and not everybody's going to watch it through this lens. You know, they are going to watch it like, you know, those are the people that, that's all lives matter crew that are like watching this and not paying attention. So I do appreciate the dialogue that has come out of this and also, you know, being able to, you know, have these moments of reflection, even for myself, because like, there's a lot, there's a whole lot that I don't know. And like, I went to school in Hemet and in Hemet, that's a whole other thing. But like, we, all these things that they're talking about, like, I'm going to go ask Alaya when I'm done, if she knows about these things, because I talk about them and kind of like Kirby, like, like you were saying, like, you know, you pontificate these different things and it's like, um, you know, I want my children to know and understand the history and stuff. But at the same time, like, I also want to know these educational spaces that we're sending our children to, like, are, what part of these histories are they learning about and are they teaching them? And also like, as a parent, holding our communities accountable for teaching these things and not hiding them because it makes white people look bad, you know? And so I feel like shows, right? Oh God. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, You know, it's a, and mind you, like it's, it's, we have time to pay attention to these things because, and I I mean, I'm really fortunate. I was, you know, just reflecting on this the other day, like my community of people, which include you, like we have these conversations. We've been having these conversations. These are not new things for us, but like, there's like, like my, my husband always reminds me, like, this is special. It really is like that we can have open dialogue and I can say a comment about white people and like my white people friends aren't going to get offended. They're going to be like, yeah, I know. I get it. I know what you're talking about, you know, but like, yeah, we just need to really be having these conversations about this. And it's a, it's a show that I appreciate. And I, I, you know, I do enjoy watching it, you know, but at the same time, it's a show that also keeps me up all night. And then the next day I'm still thinking about it, you know, I mean, so many layers, you know, to unfold and unpack, um, you know, and then also just like, you know, with my own self sitting in that discomfort of like my privilege of, you know, being a Chicana and like what that looks like and having biracial black children and having a black husband and like what that feels like, you know, and that I won't experience, I've experienced different types, but like, I'm not going to experience what they have and have, you know, and will, you know, experience in their lives. So it's just a reminder for me that um, the shit is real. Right. And the more we like have these conversations and bring it up and like sit in our uncomfort discomfort and make people uncomfortable as people who are not black. Um, I think that's like we need to continue disrupting this narrative that like it's all good. And because we had Barack Obama and even Kamala Harris, like this is a really big deal. I'm not going to take anything away from her. But like how many hundreds of years, like how many years have passed that we're like finally at this point now that we have a black you know, an Indian immigrant vice president, you know, so, yeah. 
No, all the little tidbits to... of, uh, because it did, it, like, you're right, there's so much jam-packed into this series that, um, that you could have, like, whole conversations about. For example, I, I was talking to Una about the, the green book, the safe, the, the green book, right? Like, people don't know that that happens, and right. people... I think the first time a lot of people heard about it was with the movie, right? <laughs> the movie. And the movie was was poor. It was a poor excuse for a telling the story. But still, didn't even do a good job. Yeah, it's it's uh, something that we're being taught through popular culture. Like people, black people had to look out for each other, and you know, through traveling through this country, they couldn't just you know say, "Oh, I'm going to stop at the next hotel." They had to make sure that they were welcome and safe at the next hotel, at the next diner, on whatever rest stop, right? Um, and that's not something that I think most people consider in this country. Like, you know what I mean? It's, it's, I don't even think most black people, young black people know about this stuff, but we have to tell them. Um, even, um, I don't know if either of you watch the Umbrella Academy, but like even in that, like we're talking about relevant, like, current time but like talking about these issues that are still carrying through like there's it's in season two but one of the characters she's black um but like there's a time she like goes into this other dimension but she goes to the 60s mm -hmm. and so it's all like during the civil rights era like her character is being a black woman and you know her experience of, of meeting a, a, a black man and like he's part of this you know the movement and just like the pr police brutality and all that so like i appreciate that you know, even though it's, it's, you know, white people that are producing and creating these shows and writing these shows, but like that they're like recognizing that we need to like spotlight and highlight and because like Umbrella Academy is huge. And like I said, I don't know if you watched it, but like, I love that show. I mean, mm -hmm. it's on Netflix. I think it's on Netflix, but um, just that whole character and that particular, her character and that time zone that they were focusing on, like it was like really cool to watch because I could have that conversation with my 14 year old because she likes the Umbrella Academy because it's cool. Like all the kids watch it. It's cool. But like <laughs> there's much deeper conversations. Like I wouldn't allow her to watch Lovecraft, but at, at least with that, you know, cause even, you know, for our kids and, you know, I, I was talking to another friend about this today. It might've been you, Sonia, but I was like, I, I shield them because, and I don't shield them intentionally I shield them because our community of people aren't like the 70 million people out there who voted for Trump so like I get I forget I forget and I get caught up like the world that world doesn't exist and so like these pop culture references for me especially now being home with them all the time um, we have a lot of conversations and I don't try to like go Claire Huxtable on them all the time but like I definitely channel her when I need to like to like have you know um, because my parents didn't talk to me about this, like none of this. They didn't have these conversations. And like, I have come from a huge family of beautiful people, but there's just as many bigots, you know, and, and my same family. And so it's like, my children need to realize like, it's real. The boogeyman is real. Yeah. <laughs> I was joking about Karen, but it's racism. So. Yeah, I've probably exposed Melody to it too much, if that's a possibility, because as white people, I feel we, ha we, we owe it to, to, to be educated. You know, like I've probably read, I mean, you know me, Sonia, I've read if every art book I can get by a person of color from anywhere, all, you know, all over the world. I'm just like, I need to soak up other, 
um, cultures and other experiences told from the first person because I have to understand what these other experiences are like or I will only know this my little world and that's really dangerous especially for white people and my daughter is a white girl you know she has blonde hair and blue eyes you know she just and I'm like you're not going to be one of those girls I won't let you be you have to know <laughs> what your responsibilities you have to know your history you have to know you know and so I don't shelter her from anything anymore like I'm just in her face <laughs> I'm like did you know and I mean and I come from a long line of 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 liberal you know me I mean Kunstler is my middle name he's that's my father's first cousin William Kunstler I am from a long line of white liberal activists and Jewish activists. So I've been talking about this stuff with my parents my whole life. Like when Nelson Mandela was free, I was visiting with a friend. My parents called me. They were wow. like, Curb, God, Nelson Mandela's free. I mean, it was like, the You're like, I'm going to tell Taco Mom, I'll call you back. I'm like, um, <laughs> we didn't have cell phones. I was at somebody's house. But, um, <laughs> but you know, so, so, but I want my daughter to have that with all the information that we have, I want her to be uncomfortable. I want her to feel weird and, and to read and to discuss and to talk to our friends. Cause we have friends, you know, from all walks of life. And I'm like, it's her responsibility. Cause she's too, she could be too sheltered. Right. But she's also what? 16 now, right? She's 16. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Totally. I mean, I was sheltering her from scary stuff up until just six months ago, like horror <laughs> and like American horror and stuff. But she's yeah. watching American Horror Story now. And I'm like, oh, well. <laughs> we all wave the white flag in COVID times. Really? Yeah, I'm like, just, uh, <laughs> you get just give yourself nightmares. Right. There's no screen time rule. What about no you? Bedtime. What about, yeah, exactly. What about Una, though? Because she's, what, 11? Like, are you, you're still probably sheltering? You know, you want to keep some stuff out of her mind. Yeah, we're not doing, we're still doing basically like PG stuff. Yeah, Lovecraft is not there. Um, uh, not even Umbrella Academy, I don't think. I think that's TV 14 or something. <laughs> we're trying to, to, to keep her, I mean, the thing is that she's, she's already ahead of where we want her, what to want her exposed, because we, she has a phone, right? Like she, she doesn't have a phone with like a, a, you know, a data plan and all that stuff, but she has access to YouTube. She has access to, um, you know, even though she's not supposed to, I'm sure she does have access to TikTok. Um, so there's a lot of things that you can't, I can't completely shield her from. I just have to talk to her about, right? And but we're still making an effort. Right? I think it's a dying effort of trying to keep, um, honestly, more uh, like sexually explicit stuff, the hard race conversations and you know misogyny conversations. I feel like you know she's a she's a She's a girl. She's gonna know we're gonna have to have these. We're gonna have to. She's yeah. a girl of color. You know, we're gonna have these conversations, and what they entail may change over time. But it's starting now, right? Like we we've, we've never shied away from talking about race and racism because it's not. We just don't have that privilege, right? She can't not know about race and racism. You know, what's interesting is we um, we were anti phone with Aliyah, who's now fourteen. Um, but we ended up getting her a phone and that was partially because of my commute and the, I, one day I was late to picking her up and her principal called me and was like, I'm here with your daughter and no one's here to pick her up. So I'm like, we need to get her a phone now. <laughs> and I was really scared about what that was going to be like and feel like for us. But like, I've, I'm obviously not obviously, but I'm, we're friends with her on social media. Um, and I've watched her 
become more aware of who she is as a black biracial, uh, you know, female. And a lot of that, she, she gets like, there's no getting around it as myself and Daryl as her parents. Like you walk into our house and it's like, is what, you know, she has been exposed to. And like I said, like, we're so fortunate to have such wonderful, beautiful friends and family around her. But like, I don't think it really resonated with her until like she had social media and she was like reading posts and she was, you know, seeing different things happening. And so I, each time she like, I mean, of course she does like her silly, you know, things that, you know, she's 14, but like sometimes like my mom, my mom is really, we've already talked about Isaiah in a couple, one or two episodes, but like my mom is one, a wonderful human being. Um, but she's like, Miha, I didn't realize lie was so woke. You know, and like, it was really funny for me because I was like, what is, how do you know what that means, mom? But she's like, and then she'd said, she's like, Aliyah teaches me things. You know, my mom's from a different generation. And like I said, immigrant, Mexican, Catholic, you know, and um, not really open to much. Like she was very pro-life, very, you know, very like caught up in her Jesus, you know, and so, which is fine, but like, you know, I wasn't like that. And I, and I told her when I became a parent, like, thank you for giving me all that you did. But like the way that you taught me and raised me is not who I am right now. And that's not how I'm going to raise my kids. So anyways, the fact that my mom who used to pray for me and make me go to confession for wearing an Oingo Boingo shirt <laughs> back in high school is now telling me my child is woke. So like, that's like a beautiful thing that- That is beautiful. Social media has done for her. And also for my daughter, cause like I said, I'm not a black woman. I don't know what that, Eliza's the only black person, black, excuse me, black female at her school. Like we moved to Redlands because her school is amazing and it's a wonderful space to be, but like, I recently joined the school board and like half the time I'm sitting there like yeah. these people like I, I'm like because like I'm dealing with a bunch of rich white parents whose kids went to private school and they you know it's a Montessori school Montessori education is beautiful but there's some other issues but like I was really worried if I was going to be doing more damage to her by keeping her in that space and um it's it's for me just going back to that social media. It's been beautiful to see her find herself and find who she is and express that, whether it be through a meme or a video or whatnot. Um, so, and like I said, watching, she is able to watch Umbrella Academy and there are characters in there. We talk about it and she's embracing her blackness in a way that like, I just celebrate and I can't be a mom and be like, Oh, look at you go. You're, you know, you're not straightening your hair. Like, like the way I want to, but like I'm seeing this transformation in her. Um, and some of it has to do with, you know, pop culture, and also the fact that, like, she's, like, owning the fact, like, she's it. Like, when 20 years from now, when, you know, when people look back on their high school experience, they're going to say, oh, there was one black girl at my school, and it's going to be a liar. Mm -hmm. You know, and it's like, she's her authentic self, and it has nothing to, well, not nothing to do with me, because I gave birth to her, but, like, <laughs> just the fact that she's, like, yeah, so. Do you have me? Some of it, some of it with, uh, with Una, with because I do feel like, like with Alaya, Una is exposed to both Jared and I, who are fairly strong personalities, each of us, right? <laughs> so having that independence and getting information from someone other than us sometimes reinforces what we've been telling her. 
but we're just not cool because we're her parents and she you know she she can't take our word for it um but all of a sudden she's out in the world and she recognizes that what we've been you know telling her and teaching her and, and you know sharing about our experience is you know verified by others and the cosign from other people is more important right now for her <laughs> than, than whatever it is we say so that's been one positive um from her exploring other information to quote president-elect biden it's a big fucking deal <laughs> <laughs> what were you gonna say curb I was just going to say, for both of you, do you have access to your school? Because you said you're on the school board for your at the school your school. Because that's good. Because like now, that's a small place we can start um, in our communities is putting pressure on our school districts to stay woke. Mm -hmm. Like in this moment, because I've been on our equity committee for four years, and we had to beg our super. We just had to be like. I'm telling you, we need to have a plan. It is not equitable amongst our children in our schools. And they were like, well, I don't know. And it took, it took the whole, this, the pandemic and the Black Lives Matter movement for them to be like, you know what? We do need to have an equity plan. So we hired a consultant on the third year. Mm -hmm. Now we have this equity plan and now we're gonna work on in our little task forces, you know, for the, each little individual committee. But it took four years for the for the people in our district to realize it was a problem when it's been a problem for centuries and you didn't think we had to do anything. So I think our school boards and our school districts are the first step in community service, in keeping our our elected officials accountable. It's the school board first, then it's city council, you know, and then it's the governor. You know, I mean it's it's a way in your face you can hold these people accountable because you voted for them we just got two new members of our of our school board just this election and you better believe i'm going to be emailing them on the day you know constantly right i think that we're, that's it's, one of the things that we as citizens don't take advantage of um you know local politics local politics affect your life dramatically right like so being absolutely. involved with your city council person with you know your local reps that alone can change your neighborhood, your your daily quality of life. And I don't you know, I don't think, I think more people are involved now because I, I live in LA and, and our board of supervisors, all that is online now during the, during the pandemic. So you can just like be at home and check in and ask questions. And yeah. um, I don't think anybody, I was talking to one person who's in her 60s and she says, oh, I've never been to one until this year. You know, I've never been to a city council meeting ever in my whole life yeah you know one of the things that we said is ours is now that we're doing this and we're making it available to more people even when the pandemic is quote-unquote over we have a vaccine we need to always have our meetings online so mm -hmm. the people who can't come to city hall can still participate because this is actually a great thing because our our <laughs> meetings tripled in size and now we have all the we're like oh we've been begging you to come to these meetings all these years you know but you sometimes just can't get to the meetings right yeah, it's, it's been is, interesting. Yeah, it was. Sorry, go ahead. No, I said the access just makes everything different, right? Like having people, like making it easy for people to access this information and have direct access to our elected officials is going to make a big difference. And I hope it continues. What were you yeah, saying? no, I definitely am really hoping that people stay civically engaged. And you know, the thing with the school board, like 
I was nominated by one of Elias' teachers, and when I submitted my application, like, it was like, I, I was telling Daryl, I was like, there's no way they're going to pick me. Because I was like, I advocate for this, and this is what is important, and this and that. Like, I mean, basically, every I created this menu of, like, for my children, like, what I want, what I expected, and what I hope for. And, like, I totally thought they were going to throw my application out. And they're like, oh, we want to interview you. And I'm like, okay. So I inter the interview, we did the interview, and, like, once again, very quote-unquote radical as, you know, they would categorize me and they moved it was kind of like office space where he was like i hate this job everybody sucks you suck and then they like end up promoting him so i ended up being <laughs> on the school board and now i'm like in these rooms with like all these like you know wh white people you know and the, and the things that they talk about is just like things that aren't important to me and i am always like asking things about the students what do the students want what are they what are their conversations like? And they're like, that's a great question. And I'm like, how are you not having conversations with the actual students in the school to see yes. what their opinions are? Like, these are gonna be our future constituents. If you're not involving them in this process and we're just making decisions for them, like, what is that teaching them? You know, and so it's just been really take whatever we give them, right? Yeah, you know, or even like I'm surprised. I'm surprised your school's like that because that's what public school was designed to do. Mm -hmm. We all know public school was designed to educate the masses to be sheep and a, a nice, calm people who know how to stand in line and work quietly and obey orders. Like that's why we have public school. But you go to a private school; they're supposed to be better. It's public. Than that. No, it's public. Oh, it's, it's a, a charter. It's, it's Montessori. It's a charter school, it? and don't get me started on charter schools because um, <laughs> don't get me started. But I anyways, know. Um, it is a charter Montessori school, but the parents do not understand the methodology of what Montessori oh, is. They're there because it's a private school. It costs $1,200 for elementary school a month to be there. So that just tells you one thing, that they can afford that. Um, and then number two, when you have that kind of money, like it doesn't matter. Social justice doesn't matter. Equity doesn't matter. You know, accommodating, you know, queer students, students of color and their needs doesn't matter. It's like, you know, it's all about money and whose parent is going to be paying for this. And like, right. you know, it does like they don't care about. They're all about the, the bake kids. sale. Yeah. And that that, that's exactly it. And like, um, anyways, I could go on for a long time, but like, it's been nice to see it happening and like honestly like I did it thinking like there's no way they're gonna pick me and then they did I'm like now nah, I gotta do it um <laughs> but it's been enlightening for me to like see behind the scenes and see what's actually happening and also like one another teacher had took because like like I said already Eli is the only black kid at her school and there's one black teacher and so I composed a two and a half page letter on um having the black teacher be Eli's mentor and the principal called me and he was like, we've never had a parent do this before and she already has a mentor. And I'm like, I don't care. I don't care who her mentor is. Like, I want her to have a, a, a black one. She's black. And, you know, so it was this whole issue, um, you know, and like, you know, counselors got involved in this and that. And I'm like, it doesn't have to be like this. Like, I'm her parent. If I can't be there, I would like this person to be there. You know, and so it's just like the politics and like the, this is the whole world what we're dealing with right now. It's like once money is involved, mm -hmm. because they were saying that 
almost, they were making it seem like I was being the racist because I took Aliyah away from the cancer that she had to put her with the black one. Like, what is that telling other kids? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, that they're... <laughs> It's telling other kids that you need to have a more diverse staff and a more diverse student body is what it's telling. It shouldn't be a one and one to one ratio, but okay. Jeez. <laughs> so, stuff like well, that. Like- yeah. But my a good friend Sonia, you know her. I don't know. She wants her name on a podcast, but she lives in Texas and she is black. And she pulled her daughter from a public preschool because they were like, um, this little girl was like wouldn't share her book with her, you know, because her skin was dirty. I mean, it was real. It's kids in Texas, it was bad. And so she goes to a private school. She pays big bucks to go. And you better best believe it. If when this young well, she's actually, she's Una's age, come to think of it. I think she's 11. Um, when she, it's time to pick a teacher, my friend is like, she, she's going to be in the, t- the black teacher's class, period. She, these, and these women, there's like, I think, I want to say she's had maybe two or three black teachers, women. Mm-hmm. And my friend is like, no, she will be in their class. These, and you will watch, and I know that they will watch over my daughter. And, the, and she feels comforted in that, that she's going, that she loves the school, but it's, it's not as diverse as it could be. And there's, you need mentors that look like you, period. You really do. We've, they've all, you know this, Janessa, all educational research shows kids thrive when they have teachers and role models that look like them they can understand them and see what they have to offer and understand their culture so yeah it's it's known at her school that that she will have a black teacher if there is one available <laughs> she made that fight and now it's, it's set in stone huh yes well you pay a bunch of money isn't that right can't you get some of your needs met <laughs> I pay taxes. Give me my mentor. <laughs> no, but going back, turning it back around to what we're talking about. So Aliyah is into sci-fi and she's into anime and she's into like things that I am not familiar with. And her mentor turns out like, so is she. And she's a black girl, a black woman who's into all these obscure things. And this is totally random fate of the universe. And so like, it's so great because Eli was like, oh, we are talking about, you know, my hero academia and this and that. And in my head, I'm like, cool. But like, she's able to have this dialogue. So it ended up working out and like, you know, all these different shows that are on, um, like going back to pop culture and these references, like she's able to have, you know, conversations with her mentor about these things. Whereas I'm just like, cool, Eli, are you hungry? What snacks do you need? You know, and like, you know, it'd be as if, you know, somebody just showed up in Una's life and was like, I love BTS. Right. Let's go to a concert. You know, <laughs> you're like, go. <laughs> Take her. So, Anybody but me, please. <laughs> I know. Well, <laughs> do we want to make one last stab at the love country? Is there anything else that we want to say about this? I'm, um, ex- well, I, this is a, a thing that I've read both. I'm like, is there going to be a season two? I've heard that there is I've heard that there isn't like they left us on such a cliffhanger because like I'm curious about the little girl and her story and you know um Uncle George like I'm like is he Tick's dad like we were left there's all these cliffhangers and unanswered things um the baby what's up with the baby like is you know are they going to be able to use the the book to bring him back like and, and this is me because I haven't read the books you know that accompany you know that these were inspired by and whatnot but like 
I just have so many questions. Um, and also too, like what other historical narratives are going, they're going to intertwine in, you know, the next, if there's a season two. So I don't know. And this is me asking. I don't know if you know if there's going to be more because I've heard both. I don't know if there's going to be a season two. Do you know, Sonia? I don't. I don't know. What, I, I'm sure Jared knows, but I don't know <laughs> if there's going to be a season two. But the one thing I thought that was really interesting was the um, um, Tick's love interest and her baby. Right? Like, that's a whole storyline that... Letty. Yeah. Letty. Yeah. I liked her character, but um, I don't know. Like, I thought they could have done more with her. You know, like, what did you guys think about her? I, I thought that she was, you know, it's nice to be the love interest, but for a lot of the time, a lot of the things she was kind of, she was a badass. I'm not saying she wasn't. She was like, you know, kicking ass and doing a, a bunch of like the, the scary stuff, but her, it wasn't her story, right? It was, she was still very much a supporting actor. Um, and I'm wondering if that's going to be different in the second season. What do you guys but think? Even like what's leaving off with the tarantula lady like you know just that whole story of uh, what's her name jihad i think i can't remember exactly but oh right, right yeah like yeah. that kind of like came in and she like helped to save tick in the end avenger style with like everybody else but like <laughs> i want to know more of that like you know because that was a pretty powerful story too like yeah. she had to seduce and kill these men you know but then she falls in love with tick and then you know yeah, like, I feel like, or Jihad, I think is her name, I, I can't yeah. remember, um, but I'm still, like, the, it, how that's intertwined with, you know, what's her name, Journey Smollett, like, her character, and the baby, and, like, how is this all going to come together, so I feel like, and also, too, like, that's a whole other issue, like, you know, yeah, there's just so many answer, unanswered questions that I have <laughs> in regards to, like, the love story interests, you know, and even going back to the father, you know, and, um, you know, his relationships that he was having, like, there's just, there's a lot that, like, I could definitely watch, but I'm just curious to see how, how or if it's gonna happen, because I'm like, they can't leave us, like, <laughs> when I read that it might not come back, I'm like, what? Yeah, oh, what it was interesting, too, they could, the, the, the whole thing. Go on, Kirby. The whole second season could be about the female characters because they set yeah. them all up. Yeah. Because, the you know, the Hippolyta has all these cool powers and experiences. The little girl, Diana, has the claw. Mm -hmm. I mean, the, and the, the women could take over the narrative easily. Right. Because they were quite powerful at the end, by the end. Right. Yeah. That's all. What were you going to say, Sonia? Well, I was just going to say that it was interesting because Genesis said she didn't read the book. I didn't read the book either, but I was talking to Jared about it, and apparently um, it's inspired by the book, but it wasn't very true to the book, and people have very divergent opinions about whether the show is better or the book is better, um, but the showrunner, the female showrunner that adapted the book wasn't really... Um, feeling like, I guess, you know, it's a book within a book, right? So the book is Lovecraft Country was talking about that, you know, H.P. Lovecraft, she didn't like all of those stories, the woman that adapted the book. So she did her own thing and she adapted and she made, a, she took divergent paths and didn't reference that source material as much. So uh, I'm not sure that it's, you can read the book for fun, but it's not going to be tracking the series. There's going to be no answers, and I'm like, thank you. Exactly. <laughs> okay. That's good to know, because I was like, should I buy these and read these? But, yeah. 
I also heard there were some ghostwriters on the show. I can't remember who they were. I need to find that article, but it'd be interesting to see who's behind all of this. Right. The the only woman that I know about was the Misha woman that was the, the showrunner and she's got a lot of she's done a lot of interviews um about her experience and you know adapting this and you know how terrible and wonderful it was to work on this material. Right. Because <laughs> it's really I'm sure it was emotionally uh draining and tough, you know, it was exhausting to 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 watch this material sometimes, let alone produce it and, you know, figure out how to tell it in the most poignant and, you know, accessible way. All right, ladies, I think I'm running out of steam. <laughs> Am I the only one that's getting tired after the <laughs> it's been election? a long day. <laughs> I, mean, I think, yeah, I think we're all still in that space of like, like I said, PTSD has been real. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to take a while for all of us to be in this, as Daryl says, to be back in my safe space. Right. So, <laughs> the one of the no, more enjoyable was, was memes to talk today. to you. One of the more enjoyable memes that I saw today was, um, you know, now she's, she's like, what a relief. Now we only have to deal with normal racism, not, just, not, not Trump racism. <laughs> <laughs> We're kicking it back a notch, y'all. Right. Oh, progress. <laughs> Oh God! But hey, That's we we, we appreciate our co-conspirators and agitators and our communities that have gotten us here because I I I just keep thinking of how I felt back when he won back in 2016 and that despair and that anxiety has lasted for years and it's still there. It's not gonna go away, but like there's a space where we've all allowed ourselves some peace even if it's only for a minute but yeah and shout out to the meme community again right the meme community. Yes. and group chats group chats big up to the group chats because like we all had multiple ones going on and like we couldn't celebrate together but it felt it, i didn't feel alone so thank all of you <laughs> ditto all right this thanks for doing fun this even guys. to be able to have this yeah thank you just even to be able to talk to you guys about this today it actually worked out Right. I would have wanted to talk to you anyway. <laughs> yeah, we'll see how much uh, of this Jared keeps. <laughs> you did, he's been, uh, he's <laughs> like, I'm going to scrap the whole thing. No, All right, it, was, it was fun. We'll definitely do this again. I hope you guys are up for it again. I'm sure we'll find something else that interests us all, and we can come in uh, and, and give everybody our unsolicited opinions. <laughs> I'm all about that right now. <laughs> well, when you don't like that, you don't like candy corn, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. All right. It was good to see you all. I love you all. And love you love you. see you in real life. Bye. 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 Bye.